0: How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. Today's guest is Rob Corman. Rob is an accomplished global learning and development executive having held roles at Verizon, Sprint, Robin Hood, and is currently Senior Director of Learning and Development at NASCAR, which makes this episode quite timely as we are heading into the 2024 NASCAR season. Rob, welcome to the Jam Session. Well, Rob, thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. And are you ready to jam? I'm ready to jam. Let's jam. All right. I'm excited to talk to you, talk about your leadership journey. And maybe we could just start off with two questions are you allowed to just go out and drive on a racetrack? And what do you actually do in your role from a leadership training perspective with NASCAR?
1: No, I do not get to drive the cars around the track. I get to watch it. I get to go over there and see that. And then outside of my office, I can see them from the windows and see, see them drive over there. And we've done a couple tours and stuff. So that's pretty sweet. I'm in Daytona, by the way. But what we actually do and what my role is responsible for is overall learning success at NASCAR. We have a competition side that helps and supports the education for the officials and, you, and making sure everybody's compliant from an OSHA perspective and all that side of stuff. I won't go too deep in that, but that's our racing side. And then there's the enterprise, the people that work at NASCAR and for NASCAR. We have continued education opportunities for folks, leadership development, onboarding, orientation, successful productivity at work, those type of things. Our team sup- provides Live training, whether it be virtual or physical. And then we also have our platform, NASCAR University,
0: self paced education type things. And you actually work more with the leaders, right? The leadership development side of it.
1: My side would be more on the enterprise side. We've really revamped everything with learning for the most part and recreated and reimagined what learning at NASCAR
0: looks like. So I nice. got a
1: few things coming around the turn. That's going to continue to grow NASCAR's
0: education. All right. Well, maybe we can start off with your leadership journey. Some of your guiding leadership principles or maybe your superpower.
1: Sure. Yeah. I love the superpower term. That's great. I've got a couple of friends that say you can either have your, like your, your villain story or your hero story on how you come through life. So I like the hero. I'm going to stick with the hero portion. Some people may disagree, but I, I think heroes better. My leadership style and my secret sauce, I guess, is super easy, and it's trust, honesty. It's a shared process between the two, showing true passion. Emotional intelligence would be like the one thing that I would stick with in the leadership terms. If you're a Star Wars nerd, I wouldn't call myself a full-blown nerd, but I have watched them all, and I like them a lot. You would call it the force. It's the force is emotional intelligence. From a leadership
0: perspective, which is your favorite character in Star Wars? I'm just curious.
1: Oh man, I've never been asked like leadership perspective. I mean, it's got to be Obi-Wan. If you're going to say like a a leader that's kind of got there, the only problem is he really did fail with Anakin. He dropped the ball. I mean, he taught him how to do his thing, but teach him to control their emotions. No, no leader's perfect. Hey, fair. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, let's talk about some of the greatest success you've had as a leader.
1: I've had the great privilege of working for several different companies and under uh, some awesome leaders and some leaders that may have some opportunity and all that great stuff. We all have that story. But when I'm standing up new organization or launching products or launching even an idea, when I have people that stand up and volunteer to jump in and help and support and to help it get off the ground when it's lowering my stress and I know that people are there to help, I feel like that they're ready to run through a wall for me and ready to go at it that to me is success i also think that it's successful when i see other people be successful so i'm gonna little bit of a toot my own horn at the same time tooting other people's horns here i feel like i've hit great success when i see people that's been on my team before do amazing things so i'll give an example lori i don't know if she'll listen to this or not but i'd love her to but She is a a great example of a success that I'll take pride in. She and I had some original conversations at the beginning. Like she had had some leaders in the past that didn't necessarily give her trust. And once she had gotten that and gotten the respect back that she could give and saw that direction, it unlocked a whole new world for her. Now she's supporting nonprofits. She's working in a a diversity inclusion space. Like she's really grown her career. I've always believed that when you constantly have to look in the rearview mirror behind you, it stops you from seeing the new paths that are in front of you. So if you have a leader that's behind you, shoving you, pushing you, driving you to just like not giving you the right direction, when you trust that person is helping you and they're beside you and helping guide you, it opens up new pathways. So things like that are huge success for me. Obviously, there's career growth that shows success, but that's not really what motivates me. I think my success has been when I've seen other people have the ability to grow themselves.
0: You use the term people will run through a wall for you, right? For leaders, right? And I mean, trust, obviously, I think you and I both agree, has a big factor with that. But what else contributes to that? How do you get your employees to kind of run through a wall for you?
1: I'm a firm believer in shadow of a leader. If you if you're listening to this and you've heard the term shadow of a leader before, I will use my grandmother as an example. When I was asked to mow the yard, love my dad to death. But when he asked me to mow the yard, I would throw a fit. Like, I don't want to do this. This is the worst thing ever. But my grandmother, who stood like four foot nothing, <laughs> little bitty thing, just the thought of her going out there doing that drove me wild. So when I thought about, oh, well, she's going to have to mow if I don't, it just influenced me to go and do that because she was kind and she showed those th- she showed love to me and showed caring and passion. And I felt comfortable. I-, I needed to do that. And I wanted to do that for her. So I feel like whether she's there, whether she's not there, she passed away in 2009. And I still think about what if I'm not kind to that person when I, when they're coming in and I don't hold the door for them, or I, I'm not kind to that person that might need a little bit of help or something. That, that shadow of a leader that's there, I jump out there and do that. Some of the best leaders that ever lived in the world cast a shadow right now. Think of Martin Luther King that passed away. That shadow lives. His quotes are said all the time, not just on Martin Luther King Day. What he saw in his vision, it changed everything in the United States and for the better, in my opinion. So those things happen. There's Jesus is a great example, religious or not religious. There's a story that has gone on for over 2000 years of an individual, whether you believe it or not, that has casted leadership without them being here. That's huge. And I, I feel like I try. My best to when I turn away and I walk away, what are the stories that are being told there? And it's not about driving the numbers for Rob. It's about driving for the purpose. They're a part of this. If you work for the business, you should consider yourself an owner. And I say that from the beginning you're a champion. You matter. You're a part of this. This company is a part of you. You've chosen this path. Now let's do what we do together. And I feel like that's driving and casting a shadow of a leader, and, and people follow that path very well.
0: It's also the reason why people follow leaders as well to other organizations or, so I love the term that you just talked about. And I think it was important things that you said in there too, right? I mean, it's the little things that matter and caring about your people, the compassion, but even how you talked about even your grandma, like she went out there, was cutting along, right? I mean, so we as leaders have to, yeah, right. So we go out there and we should be jumping into the trenches at times and working side by side with our employees. I came
1: in from I was a successful individual contributor. I wasn't the best, but I was good at what I did. And when I came into being leadership, I was a manager, I made mistakes. And I know that's, that, that might be something we chat about here in a minute. Maybe we can chat about that now, but I made some mistakes that were there and it helped kind of lead my path of what not to do. I remember thinking that I needed to fish for everybody versus teaching them how to fish and thinking, just do it like I did and you'll be successful. Well, there's not a someone that's like you, Rob. I'm not like you, and you're not like me. We may have some similarities, but your style is different than my style. You're the person that's holding the lantern that lights the path and shows them the then the different options and and ways that they can go the different paths. You're not going down it for them and then throwing them a rope and pulling them up. That's not the way that should work. And once I was able to fall flat on my face a few times and quite frankly, maybe ruin a, a few elements of respect that I may have had thinking that my title just gave it to me. I think that's where I really started to make that turn earlier in my career by, by learning that and, and then starting to lead more with, let me show you how to do this, or let me ask you, how do you want to do it? What do you see that you think would be successful here? And then it'll go, oh, there's a million examples we could give, but that, that's kind of the journey that had led me to that.
0: I'm curious, how did you come to that realization?
1: I remember vividly one time as an early leader, we were having a meeting and there was a a guy in the meeting, it was a Friday morning meeting at the company that I was at, and there was one of the sales managers that was there on the floor. She was going over the sales numbers and all that stuff. And the guy spoke up, one of the guys in the meeting spoke up and said, I don't understand why we have these goals. As soon as we get these goals, you just move them up higher and they go from there. And me being a protective nature new in the role, having this title young, I think I might've been 23 or 24. And the lady it was senior that had been doing this for a while. And I thought in my mind, you should respect her. You don't do that. That's not going back to the grandma thing. <laughs> I'm big on respect. And so I jumped right in there and I'm like, I ran circles around you when I was in sales. I dominated you and everybody in this room. So you're going to do this and you will be successful. And that Big a-hole. It did not work out. So then at the end of that, I I could literally feel the room. You, you can feel it. You can feel it. And now I'm in training now and have been for a while. And I can read a room pretty well. Knock, knock, I would hope I keep that superpower forever, but I could really feel it. And I knew right then and there I'd made a mistake. And so it took me months to get that respect back, even if I even had it in the first place. And it allowed me to be a lot more humble of saying, okay, how could I have done this? Listen to him. He had a legitimate statement. He was absolutely right. We just kept moving the goal. You keep moving the goal post. It's really demotivating unless you can really explain it. And so I had to step back a little bit, understand, you know, I'd uh, done and then start making some moves. And a simple apology ain't going to do it. You got to prove it at that point and jump in there. And get, like you said, get down in the trenches and show them. Some things, but also let them show their superpower. You got to let them show it. And even if they don't know that they have one, give them the opportunity. If all you're doing is just barking at them and telling them to do what you did, they're never going to find their own path. Yeah. Well, so. so
0: that's an honest truth. And I appreciate you sharing the story. Kudos to you for being able to recognize it and read the room, right? I mean, there's plenty of leaders that would just keep on going down that path and never yeah. even think twice about it. And I do think that's an important skill for leaders out there to develop to be able to observe and try to read their people
1: there was a leader there a store manager at that location that i was at that really helped me and and really showed me a couple things also just the simple process of hey if you're frustrated about something take a deep breath and he taught me that i would i still do this like it just like i'd take my hands and just kind of do this for a second. And I just touch like, I do. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm just like, I consciously think about touching this finger and that finger, and then I'll do that finger and that finger. And I just kind of am like processing and just kind of like process through and listen to understand versus to respond. And I try my very best to really consciously think about, okay, let's understand the legitimacy of what they're saying. Let's try to understand where they're coming from don't fully put yourself in their shoes, but try to put yourself there and see what they think about. They have these sales numbers that keep moving around. They have a legitimate statement of where they are. Be creative. That's your job as a leader. A lot of times is be creative. It doesn't always have to be like super fast on the fly, but you got to think pretty quickly sometimes, but first understand where they're coming from and then try to make a, a move. He really helped me. Demetrius is his name. He really helped me with that type of an understanding
0: and it's gone a long way. So really kind of take the time to just pause, right? Not react and really just kind of think through this and let your employees kind of get their voices out and and they might surprise you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes a good leader knows when it's time to be led by their teams. I've been led by my teams a number of times where I knew I was making a mistake. Well, I didn't know at the time, but taking that pause and really just taking time to listen helped me to stay on a better path. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. The best mirror, first of all, you need a mirror as a leader. And the the best mirror that you can find in leadership are the people that are on your team. And I'm not just talking about the people that are below you that work for you. I'm talking about your peers. I'm talking about your leadership. I'm talking about anybody on your team. I've always, I'm going to pivot here and say, tell you this, negativity is contagious. It's a disease to me. And so is complacency. We can talk about that separately, but negativity is a disease to me. And I mean it in a way about everybody wants to talk about the COVID days, So I'll use that as an example as a virus. When you're announcing something new or you're launching something, I always try to say, okay, let's try to inject the person that is the most contagious first. So whoever could catch the negative disease first, if you know your people, I'm going to pause and I guarantee you, you could probably think of that person or those people on your team that they immediately hear that thing and they go straight to negative land and they're like this is not good because of x y and z this is y z x if you can inject them before you even announce the launch this to the team get them involved they're the most contagious if you can get them the antivirus first your likelihood of success of launch is much higher so i i I strongly advise anybody that's launching anything or anybody that's making a change that's a change management one-on-one Go to those most contagious of negative virus people, get them involved in it, share your ideas with them. Even if you're not going to change anything, bounce it off of them. Rob, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing something like this. We're thinking about moving the goalpost a little bit. What do you think about this? What are your thoughts? XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. Man, I didn't think about it that way. What if we tried this way? Oh, I love that. Or, hey, what do you think? How could I get people on board with this? And then that's where you start seeing those successes. And then that conversation and that outburst at that meeting I mentioned earlier would have never happened. Mm -hmm. And that's how I honestly had prevented them after that was proactively injecting that antivirus, that happy that happy serum into everybody and into the right people. And then it took off from there. It doesn't always work. That's
0: when you have to put on your leadership hat and make decisions, but that's a great way to set it up. It is a great technique. It really is. I'm so happy you shared that. With everyone out there. And because anybody could walk in with like a a super manager tattooed on their chest and say, we're changing this and a discussion and move on. Anybody can walk into a room and do that. Right. right? But it's the true leaders that are able to do all these little techniques. And some of it is investing time like behind the scenes, knowing your people and using techniques like that to actually stay a few steps ahead of it. Yeah. Your team, Uh, they're not children. I mean, sometimes you
1: might feel that way, believe me, but. they're, they're not children and they have their own lives. They have their own success. If you want to use that emotional intelligence and that force, give them the opportunity. And honestly, Rob, I, I got to tell you, I work a lot less harder mm-hmm. when I do that. Like I'm not having to create all of this stuff. I'm using my team to help come up with it and I uh, lower stress. I mean, there's so many benefits of being a good human. I can't say it enough. Like that's a superpower of leadership is trying your best to be a good human to the people that you're responsible for. And it works out. It always works out. Don't overthink it. Be good. It's that simple. That's how you
0: get people to run through a wall for you.
1: Cast the shadow, man. When you turn around, you walk out that room, they should do the exact same thing that they do. My son, I'll give that example too. I hope when I'm not around and he's 16 years old driving around, I hope he's making good decisions. I know we all do. If you have parents listening. But you know he might not. He's got to learn on his own. He's going to fall flat. But that's the same thing with anything else. Like If I'm not here, you at least feel that we're doing this together. I'm with you as your leader, and there's a shadow here casting over the team in a good way that we're all together as one, and this is where we're going to go. And if we don't, and you fail and you fall flat, that's okay. That's what you're supposed to fall. We're all supposed to fall. And then get back up and go the right way. Now you've learned and you don't do it again.
0: You know what? I I want you to share what what we talked about the other day, the analogy, the the two pistols.
1: When I was a individual contributor, I had the great opportunity of joining into an emerging leaders program. I was not a super athlete or anything like that necessarily in high school. I wrestled and I was pretty good at that, but but that's an individual contributor style sport. So from a team side and showing like true leadership I really didn't have a lot so when I had the opportunity to get into an emerging leaders program at this Fortune 14 company at the time it was awesome it was a really well set up situation and they brought in an a director or senior director I don't not real sure what Patrick's title was at that time but he came in and we were able to ask him questions and the question one way or the other came up of how do you use your your position to make decisions and all this stuff he was from west virginia he said that he has two pistols at all times and we're all like pistols and he's saying i have two pistols as a leader and you're going to have them as a manager or a leader at all times some people don't possess but one pistol but you should have two at all times one is power because if i use this power pistol as your manager and i say you're fired if you don't do x y and z or you're on corrective action if you don't do y x z you can go down that path forever. That that pistol exists. It comes with the title. In most situations, that comes with the p- title and you get that. Or you can work a little bit harder and it works a whole lot better if you use the influence pistol. Mm. The influence is one you don't always, like the power, you just pull it out and shoot it and it's going to hit something. The influence pistol is a little bit harder to use. You bring it out and you've got a scope on that thing. You dial it in. But when you pull the trigger, it is a precise shot that hits the mark Every time, because you're taking your time, taking a breath, you're seeing it. You got your target, and you make that happen. And it doesn't kill; it mm-hmm. supports, it helps, it grows. Right. It's not a kill shot. This is a this is like a supporting shot, you could say. When he gave that analogy to me, it has stuck. And I was young. I I mean, I I'm yeah. still young. Thank you very much with these grades. But I, I was much younger. I had no idea really about leadership stuff. I was trying. And so I had that passion in my heart that I really wanted to lead people and grow folks. So when I heard it, it just stuck and it is stuck with me forever. Power pistol, influence pistol. And, and I try very rarely to bring that power out and it, you obviously are going to have to do it at some time that comes with it, but don't, you should have some practice shots with this one first before you ever grab that one.
0: I love the story. I love the analogy. I think I was sharing with you the other day that when I first became a manager, I went through uh, management training, right? And this was like 20 years ago, brand new manager. And I'm in management training first week in management training. First day, the uh, vice president walks in to kick off the session. He walks in and we called them, I think we called them double barrel because he would pull his fingers out and point to you, yeah, you did like two pistols. The difference was, and he pointed to us and said, I want you to remember that your allegiance is to me, not your people. And I sat back, I was like, man, I don't even know who you are. I mean, I know who my people are, but, and and again, that was an example of what you were just talking about. He had the power pistol, but he had two power pistols, like locked in and loaded, and really was a managing by fear type of approach, which didn't land well at all. So it's interesting how you just talked about that. You brought me back to my first management gig. Very interesting. I mean, it, so there's two comments out
1: with that. One is, is fear works. Make no mistake about it. Fear absolutely works. Look at any supervillain in the world. Fear is going to work. It's going to, it's going to happen, but it doesn't last.
0: Exactly. It yeah. does not
1: last. And I'm not saying you have to be the nicest guy and be everybody's friend. I, I've led some seminars and some conversations before around emotional intelligence. Then the question has came up before, like, I don't, I'm not here to be everybody's friend. And they think when you, At first glance, when you think about emotional intelligence, you think, oh, I I have to be everybody's friend. No, you certainly do not have to be everybody's friend. They don't need to know about your personal life. They don't, if you don't like to share that, don't don't mind sharing it. So my style kind of allows that to happen, but you don't have to. The only thing that it requires is for you to genuinely care about your person. If someone comes into your office or virtually or whatever, they're late for a meeting and you're leading with fear in a sense of saying, well, first of all, please don't do it in front of your, the rest of the people that are on the call. But even if it's after, and you're leading, jumping right in and say, hey, that was really embarrassing that you didn't join into this call or to our call earlier on time. We had several different decision makers that were on this. You were three minutes late. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on with you, but get it right. That scares me. If I'm coming into this, it's a big presentation, first of all. You have no idea that my child just threw up in the, in the kitchen. And I was having to clean that. You have no idea. You didn't even take the second to ask me, hey, are you okay? And then I could tell you, hey, my three-month-old is really sick. My wife's not feeling real well. I had to run downstairs and take care of that real quick. I'm really sorry I was late. Then you as a leader, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm so glad you made it on time and you rocked the presentation, by the way. I think we're in good place. Next time if that happens, man, shoot me a Teams message or a Skype or whatever you use. Shoot me a message. Let me know. I'll buy you some time and we can get through it better. Now, not only is that person feeling welcomed and comfortable and confident because they did that now, they trust you and they're going to work harder for you. And the the next presentation they do, I guarantee you will be 10 times better because they know they don't have to look at your screen because you've got them. You're doing this. you got their back. You're supporting them. And then they can look at the other people that's on it. Or if it's physically and they're in the office, they know that you've got their back. Just ask. And sometimes it might be a lie. They might be lying to you. They could be. Maybe they're a great liar, and let them feel guilty for it because you're showing passion. Excuse me. That's emotional intelligence. That's understanding. That's guiding them. That's gaining respect and trust, and they'll run through a wall for you every time.
0: And that's the difference between the first path of the, the power versus let me try to influence. Let me try to yeah. Let me try to reach them differently. So it is a it's a balance because I think you would agree there are times where and I've seen this leaders go the other path too much, right? They shy away from their positional power. And, and there are times where you do need that, but I do think sometimes they go too far the other way as well. When you're doing the emotional
1: intelligence route and you're building those relationships, there is a very, there's a risky road down there of getting too involved. I've had employees before that have lived in their vehicle and having to come in at the very beginning. And then instead of me, my, my heart and my passion is to say, Hey man, come and stay at my house. Like I really want to do that to help them, but it's not the right choice because am I teaching them to fish or am I bringing them fish? So it's, what do you really want? And then find out how to motivate them to get out of those situations. I think that, that you have to be able to cut that emotion off and remember where you are, put yourself in their shoes in a sense, but don't like put yourself in their situation. Try to put yourself there so they can, so you can understand the best approach to take to support them. So if you say, hey, here's a gift card for McDonald's next door, they have that. They have food because you didn't ask to find out. They're choosing to do this because they're having a hard time at home or they're choosing this because of X, Y, and Z or they got food because they have plenty of gift cards, but they might need gas or they might need whatever. Okay, let's motivate you that way listen and understand, put yourself in their shoes. But when you get too close into something like that and you have to have a tough conversation, it makes it very difficult. Very difficult. Speaking from experience and, and speaking from being, having to coach people out of those situations, just be careful. It's a two-way. You can't be over the top closed off to people because you're not going to get emotional intelligence. You're not going to get the respect. You're not going to be able to cast a shadow of a leader. And then you can't go too far because then you've got yourself involved and now you're not their boss. You're their friend. And it, that makes it very difficult. How are you going to go golfing with this guy after you just canned him? How are you going to have him over for Christmas
0: when you just had to put him on a performance improvement plan? It sometimes den- it delays the inevitable and to your point, it makes it much harder. Look, like there are times where they don't need a friend. They need yeah. you to be their leader and manager.
1: Yep, absolutely. And Another side of that I would say too is... And this is a little bit off topic, but kind of the same. Whenever you're having a performance improvement conversation or a year-end review, never try your best to never let it be a surprise. What I mean by that is, is if you see an opportunity for your employee or, or even your peer, or even if you feel comfortable coaching up your supervisor, always try your best to give them that feedback at the appropriate time as close to that. So it's fresh on their mind of what had happened. And then when it's performance improvement plan time, they're not thrown back in their seat. Like, Oh my, I never saw this coming. If they do, they're putting on a hell of a show because you've told them over and over again, you've given them example, you've shown them pathways, you've helped them, you've taught them how to fish. They're refusing to fish. They're refusing to go out and do the things that they've learned and you've seen that they've done, and now you're having these corrective action conversations with them. Look, I will. I'm, I'll try my best to be as humble as I can, but I feel like it's important to, to brag a little bit here. I cannot think of one time that I've ever delivered a corrective action in any way, whether it be termination or anything, that the individual was surprised. Right. Now, I've been in the room when they've been done for some great examples of what not to do, but I have never, ever had to have somebody really get upset, throw a fit, storm out, nothing that being like really shocked that had ever happened. And I say that as humble as I can, but the way that I do it is just making sure that I'm genuinely trying to prevent that from happening for them. Rob, I've had people hug me after terming them like, and thanking me of terming them. And then they go off to do amazing things. I have people that have wrote and wrote books that have worked for me in the past. I have a a guy that runs a construction company, very successful, makes much more than I do and does great for himself. And he just wasn't in the right role for himself. It just wasn't for him. So sometimes to grow, you got to go. And if it's done the right way, I'll help you set up your LinkedIn profile, Rob. I'll I'll help you with anything that I can help you while you're here. Once you're on our team together, we're together, I got you.
0: This isn't going to work out. That's it. What we're at right now isn't there. And those conversations work. I love the term. Sometimes in order to grow, you got to go. And and the reality is there's some people who are just not in the right role or they need a change. Yeah.
1: If you're football fans watching, there's a, several people that played wide receiver or quarterback or tight end or something in college or high school. And then they get into the NFL and they realize they play a totally different position. So... Ryan Tannehill may not be the best example, but that is one. He played wide receiver in college, and then he's a quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it hadn't got him too far with my Titans, but he's been able to do that. And then I know Tim Tebow, quarterback, everybody kept saying, he's going to be a better tight end. Put him in tight end. He finally gets a chance to play tight end, but he's too old. (laughs) You should have done that 10 years ago. But, you know, there are opportunities where people can grow their career. And I'd even tie into that and saying, ask somebody if they really want to be in that position, like ask them if they are a customer service person and they're answering phones all day long and they, you can tell that they're really struggling, like you can see that. You, it's your, First of all, it's your responsibility to be able to gauge that and see if that's there and then ask them, are you happy doing this? Is this what you want to be successful at? Like, do you, is this your goal? Like, what are your goals for in this particular role? I know you said you want to be CEO one day, don't we all? What's your path to get there? Well, I guess the only path I've got is to go and be a team lead, and then I got to be a supervisor, and then I'm a manager, and then I go and become a director of customer service and then VP. Oh my goodness, that's not the only path. Let me show you a few other options. Here are some education pathways to grow your continued education to get you this direction. Here's this. Have you thought about training? You thought about sales? You thought about marketing? Unlock that for them, and they don't feel like they have on those handcuffs that they're stuck in their role. And you're going to see a brand new light in these people light up like, man, okay, I didn't think about this. I always thought I had to do it this way because that's what I've seen other people go to. And not everybody wants to be a leader. They're forced into it. People think that the only way that they're going to be able to make X amount of money at this company is if I go and take John or Sue or whatever's position and become their role is the only way. Well, guess what? There's only one CEO. So you mean to tell me all 50 people on the customer service are all just going to be the CEO of this company? It doesn't work like that. Somebody's going to get brokenhearted. And then it goes down to director senior or senior director, VP, all those positions, they get shorter. So you have to have a realistic pathway of where you want to grow your career to. And you should, as the leader,
0: very much influence continued education and growth in your people. So, this goes back to this theme that we we're talking about a little bit before performance reviews, no surprises. I know you come across this as much as I do. It's amazing. This is big in the leadership space. Everyone knows no surprises. It's amazing how many times they come across where employees will tell me they only get feedback either once a year or twice a year if they have a mid year as well. Right. Yeah. This also ties into having these discussions around career development, around growth. This is what day to day coaching looks like. It's all wrapped yeah. in together. Right, And in that scenario you just described, if you truly have an employee with all the signs and you're observing and you kind of can see it, and a lot of managers shy away from asking those questions, the question you just stated, a lot of times those employees are actually relieved when the manager starts having that discussion with them. Is this what you want to be doing? Your number one priority as
1: a leader, no matter what you do, even if you're running a Fortune Fifty company, whatever, your number one responsibility is your employees. It's so easy to get caught up in all of the priorities that you have. You take your to-do list, you write it down, you have an anxiety attack about all the stuff that you have to do, and your to-do list still keeps growing. Yeah. You don't have a job without the people on your team. If you're in leadership you you, imagine not having the people there. Could you really do it without? If you could go ahead and start looking at that because maybe you should not be in your spot. Maybe you shouldn't have that responsibility. There's no reason to have those people if you don't use them the right way. So your number one responsibility should absolutely always be your people. I 100%
0: agree. Well, we started with star Wars. We can end with it. The force is strong with you, Rob. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.